We look this morning at Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 39. It says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth has heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed that there would be the fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Mary said, Oh, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my soul, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, now from on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those in humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son, and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and when they called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called John by this, is called by this name. And when they made a sign to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called, and he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all of their neighbors, and all of these things were talked about through the hill country of Judea. And all who heard, all who heard them laid up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord is with him. It's good to be together in church, isn't it? I'm glad that we're here. Uh, I'm glad that we've gathered for worship. I'm glad that we can be together. And uh, it's just good to be in church together. This morning, I want to think, think about some NWMs. I want you to think about some NWMs. And what I mean by a NWM is a, a now what moment. Have you ever had a now what moment? Uh, these, are, these are big moments. These are moments where we arrive at a place that we've never been before. These are moments that we arrive at a place where we can't see around the corner and see what's coming. There are moments where we don't know what to do next. I've had a few of these in my life. I think about the day Susan and I drove away from our wedding reception. It felt like we had been engaged for 27 years. We, we've been waiting to get married. We've been waiting to get married. We were, so, we were both needed to finish school. And so we were so excited to get married. We've been planning this day. 
And I remember getting in the wheel of that Ford Tempo and driving away from Pembroke Road Baptist Church and like, oh, we've been wanting to be married and now we are married. Now what? I remember, and I can take you to the spot of dirt up in Washington Parish outside of Sunny Hill Baptist Church where the chairman of the search committee came out and talked to this 23-year-old kid and said, we just voted to call you as pastor. Now what? I don't know if they were asking that, but I know I was asking that. I think about a Sunday morning about two and a half years ago, sitting right here on the front row before the second service, where I got a phone call that told me my mom had died. Now what? Not too many weeks ago, a doctor comes and talks to Susan and says, we've not been able to complete the procedure that we'd planned on because there's a mass. It's a tumor. And we're fairly certain it's cancer. Now what? You've had some of those. You've had some of those now what moments of your own. Some of them are great and wonderful. Some of them are, oh, I don't know yet. And some of them are really, really hard. Maybe you remember starting at a new job. They gave you your name badge. They gave you a box of pencils. I don't know what they gave you on the first day. They showed you where your desk was. You sat down and then you thought, now what do I do? (laughs) Maybe it's your last day on the job. And you pack up a box with a few sentimental things from that office, and you carry away a final paycheck. You say, now what? Sometimes it may be that you get a check in the mail that's far larger than anything that you imagined it was going to be. Now what? Sometimes it's the flip side of that, and it's a bill or a stack of bills that you don't see any way that you're going to be able to get over that stack. And you ask the question, now what? There are thousands, thousands of now what moments. You've had your own, you can talk about some of those maybe over lunch today, about some now what moments. But I got to tell you, top five of all time is Mary. You want to talk about a now what a moment. This incredibly young girl betrothed to Joseph with a whole future planned in front of her. All of a sudden the angel of the Lord, Gabriel himself, comes and speaks to her and says, O favored one, greetings. The Lord is with you. And not only is the Lord with you, but the Lord is going to come upon you. And you're going to conceive in your womb a child, the child who is going to be the Son of God himself. He is going to be the Savior of the world. And Mary, in that moment, says, May it be done as you have said. I am the Lord's servant. Oh. But I got to tell you, the angel left. And now Mary is sitting in an empty room. Now what? Now 
What do I do? What do where do I turn? Where do I go to next? This is beyond anything that I've seen. This is nothing that I've experienced. I can't see round this corner. I have no idea what to do. What do we do when we get to those places? I want us to take a look at this passage of Scripture again uh, this morning. In doing so, I want you to see how Mary responded in these moments. And I believe that the way that Mary responded in these moments is words of encouragement and strength and direction for us as well, just in case there's anybody here today that is standing at a now what moment. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Well, it's interesting, the first thing that Mary does is she gets out of town. <laughs> I'm not telling you to get out, out of town, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. But the first thing that Mary does is that she leans into people with real spiritual depth. Now the angel does not tell her, go see Elizabeth. But the angel does say, an amazing thing has happened in your life. And if you want to be encouraged, just know that an amazing thing has also happened in your relative Elizabeth's life as well. If you really want to be encouraged, just know that God is at work in someone else's life as well. And what it tells us is in those days, Mary went to see, Mary, to see Elizabeth. Now, which days? Well, those days. Now, what we do is we can see some math in here. It says that Elizabeth is six months pregnant. Mary stays with Elizabeth for three months, and then John is born. So what that means is that Mary leaves pretty much right away. In fact, the text tells us that. It says that she left in haste. I don't want to say, and I'm not saying that Mary panicked in this moment, but I'm also going to say Mary didn't stick around. She picked up and left. It tells us she headed for the hills. She got out of Dodge. She left. But where do you go in this kind of moment? What do you do in this kind of moment? Who do you see? Who do you pay attention to? Where do you go for help? We don't really know an awful lot about Mary's parents, but whatever it is, Mary picks up and leaves. And where she goes is she goes to Elizabeth's and Zachariah's home. Now, I think what you're going to see is that when she comes in to that place, she is blessed by the people in that household. How many of you have seen the movie Home Alone? Anyone? Anyone ever seen it? It came out in 1990. It means that if you watch Home Alone once every other year, you have seen it 16 times. It's a fun movie. It's a frolicking good time, I think is what the poster says. It's a great movie. I love uh, the story and, and the story of, uh, of the kid as he tries to protect the house and as he tries to handle all the things because he has been left home alone. And so he has to come up with a plan because he is by himself and he's not doing, able to do these things and he has no one else that he could turn to. Well, I'll tell you that it's a great movie and a terrible way to face the hard things in life. We are not supposed to face the hard things in life home alone. And so what Mary does is she heads out of Dodge. She goes and finds some people, some people that she can lean into. And I want you to notice the people that she finds here. The first person that she finds is that she finds Elizabeth. The angel has told her, it says, listen, this dramatic thing that has happened in your life, the reason you can believe it is because I have also done a dramatic thing in Elizabeth's life. 
And so one of the first people that Mary goes to see is a person who has been down the road before her. Someone who has also experienced some of the same things. Somebody who can relate to what she's going through because she has already been there. And so when Elizabeth greets her, it is one person who can speak to another in a way that they can't, no one else can speak to. Both of them have a miracle pregnancy. Both of them have a child who's going to have so much role and influence on other people. Both of them have, have very few people that they can even explain what has happened to. But they can speak to each other. And Mary can lean into Elizabeth because she has been where she is. Not identical, not the same, but similar. She is dealing with some of the same things, and she's ahead of her. And so she can lean into somebody of spiritual depth who has been there and done that. you got some people in your life, maybe you're going through some hard things. There are some people that you can identify in your life around you that has walked through some of these things. We, we try to build some ministries where we can help you put connected with some people who are maybe going through some of the same things that you're going through in this season. Elizabeth was there to encourage Elizabeth. The second person is a little bit of a surprise. John, who hasn't been born yet, encourages Mary. That's an amazing thing. But Elizabeth says, it is amazing that you have come. And she has great words of affirmation about what the angel has told Mary. She repeats to Mary even though she doesn't know these things yet. And she says, not only that, but my son, when he heard your voice from the womb, leapt with joy. Now, there's no real surprise to that because the angel had told Zechariah that your son named John will be full of the Holy Spirit from before he was born. The Spirit of God is going to be so rich on this person. And so here is evidence of that fulfillment, that he hears the voice of the mother of Jesus. And because the Spirit of God is on that preborn child. That child leaps with joy because the Spirit of God has recognized the presence of God inside of Mary. Sometimes when you and I go through a hard thing, when you and I need to find some people to lean into, we need to find some people in our lives that are just full of the Spirit of God. Now listen, we believe and that we teach that every single person who is a follower of Jesus Christ, who has ever had their sins forgiven, has given their life to Jesus, that the Spirit of God lives inside of every single believer. But there are some people who have allowed that Spirit to just saturate their life. And you can just be in their presence for just a handful of minutes, and you can just tell that person has the Spirit of God all over every part of their life. And so even though John, from the very womb, he had very little to say, but that presence of the Spirit of God was so rich on him that it blessed Mary in that moment. And then we come to Zechariah. He hasn't said much, mostly because he lost the ability to speak because 
he, he was a little short in his belief. But when the time comes for John to be born, the family gathers and there's a great celebration. And they say, well, what's his name going to be? It's going to be Zechariah, right? It's going to be Zechariah Jr., right? And Mary says, no, his name will be John. They're like, that's crazy. We don't even have any. There's nobody even in the house here named John. You've got no relatives named John. It's going to be Zechariah, right? And they finally look to Zechariah and say, come on, help us out. He asks for a tablet and he writes down. And this is what I like. He does not write down, his name will be John. His name is John. It's already accomplished. It's already a fact. We're just recognizing what God has already said. It is a done deal. His name already is John. And I love Zechariah because he is obedient and he is faithful even when everyone else is pushing in a different direction. So now, Mary walks into that household of someone who is already down the road. She walks into that household where there is somebody in that place who is so full of the Holy Spirit. She spends time, months, in this household where someone who is ready to be obedient even when everyone else is pushing against that possibility. That obedience it's huge, but that influence is so important. Who is influencing you? Who has been influencing you in this week? Is it, I want you to just kind of think about that. There's the crowds that surround us. They have influence on us. Just the noise. Who have you been, who have you been around this week? And then there's the voices that seep into our lives. Sometimes it's because of the frequency that we hear those voices. Sometimes it's because uh, of the volume that we hear those voices. Sometimes it's because of the proximity we hear those voices, but they seep into our lives. Where have you been? What crowd have you been around? What voices have been seeping into your life? And then the question that I, that I really want to ask you, what voices are you listening to? Because that's different than just being in that crowd. It's different than the voices that are seeping out. But are there any voices that you are stopping to listen to and be intentional to listen to? I would tell you that we need to be intentional in who we listen to. And you and I need to look for people who have been down the road a little further than we are. And we need to listen to people who you can just tell their lives are saturated with the presence of God. And we need to listen to people who will be obedient to God no matter how many people push against them. We lean into people with real spiritual depth. But I would also say to you that we actively and personally seek to know God better. We actively and personally seek to know God better. I'm reminded of a miracle that comes a little bit later in the Gospels, and it's the miracle where the four men carry their friend to Jesus on the stretcher, and, and when they can't get into the building, they climb up the side of the building, and they, they remove some stuff off the top of the, and drop Jesus into that crowd. Now those are some good guys to hang out with, aren't they? Those are some guys that got your back. Those are some guys that will really literally carry you when you cannot carry yourself. But when the moment that this man is face to face with Jesus, 
he speaks to the man and says, Arise, pick up your bed and walk. You see, there are some people who can carry us, but there also comes the moment where it's our faith, my responsibility, my response. And so I would tell you that it's really important to be around people like Elizabeth, like John, like Zachariah. But man, I would also tell you that there comes a time and a place where it's not your mama's faith, it's not your daddy's faith, it's not your spouse's faith, it's not your kid's faith. It's yours. And you've got to own that for yourself. Now we see that there are seeds of faith already in Mary. That's already true. But what we have next in this passage is Mary's song. And I would tell you that Mary couldn't sing this song before she met with Elizabeth. Mary couldn't sing this song when she first heard from the angel because there are elements of this song that take time. There are elements of this song that takes meditation. There, there are moments of this song that you've got to let these truths seep inside of you. But what I want you to hear from this song of Mary is that this is her growing faith. This is the development of her own spirit and her own spiritual life. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on my humble estate as his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. And then she begins to unpack the very nature of God. And she talks about the power of God character of God, the heart of God, the work of God, the history of God, the promises of God. And that becomes something that runs deeper and deeper inside of her own life. I would say to you that when we come to one of those moments, those what do we do now moments, that when we come to those moments where we find our place, ourselves in a, in a big place that we've never been before, man, get influenced by some people. But there also is going to come a time when it's got to be you. It's got to be your faith. It's got to be your prayer life. It's got to be your time inside of the Word. It's got to be you hearing the voice of God from His Word. Not Facebook posts about God. Not, not little things that you've heard other people say. But your own journey into the Word of God, into the heart of God to seek and to know God. Do you remember when you learned how to ride your bike? Of course you do. You never forget. But, but, but when you learn how to ride your bike, you, you started on training wheels. You, you rested on something else. When you learn how to ride a bike, someone held the seat for you, and someone ran alongside with you, and someone was there to encourage you. Someone pushed you along the way. But along the way, you had to learn how to pedal for yourself. You had to learn how to steer for yourself. You had to learn how to balance yourself. And here's the tricky part, all three of those at the same time. <laughs> Two out of three is not going to cut it. You got to do all three of them. But there's this transition from when you are resting on other people to when it's yours. And for Mary, part of what I believe that we are seeing here in, in her song is a growth and a depth 
to her own journey. Now understand, she started out as a person of faith. That, 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 that's where the journey begins as far as we can see it here. But it still means that she's got to continue to grow. And she's got to actively and personally seek to know God better. Part of the reason that you may be in what you're in right now is so that you can know Him better. And that you will seek Him more deeply than you've ever sought Him before. Don't miss that window that He's given you to. So lean into people with spiritual depth. Actively and personally seek to know God better. And then I would say to you, suit up and do hard things. Suit up to do the hard stuff that's in front of you. Verse 56 is really a remarkable verse here. It's very simple. It says she stayed for three months. And then she went back home. We don't really know the distance between Elizabeth's house and Mary's house because we're not really sure where Elizabeth's house is. At three months, Mary probably knew that she could probably hide a pregnancy for a little bit longer. But she also knew that she was going home to a nosy little town, a little village. Mary, where have you been? Man, you didn't even tell anybody. You just picked up, boy, it's really strange that you left. Well, what's going on? Things still okay with you and Joseph? That, that's, still, that's still a thing going on? Boy, I saw Joseph at your parents' house a lot while you were, while you were gone. Boy, what, what is going on? It just seems kind of strange. You didn't even tell anybody? You didn't tell me? That, that, that's where she's going to, is those kinds of conversations. She is going back to a town where she knows that, yes, for right now, not everybody's going to know that she's pregnant. But that's not something that she's going to have to, going to be able to hide for very long. And it won't be too long before she really realizes who her real friends are. And she's going to have to walk a journey that she has never walked before. She's going to have to walk a journey that no one has ever walked before. And there's no card that skips over any of these hard things. That was her assignment. Go back to that town, to that nosy little town, and live there, even while the people are yapping, even while no one else understands, and do it. I want you to know that sometimes because we follow God, sometimes because we live in a broken world, we are called and assigned to do some hard things. Man, we, we, we would like to be able to wave a wand that just made every hard thing in our life just melt away. And sometimes we can find some places that allow us to briefly escape some of those hard things. But for the Mary, the assignment was, to go walk right into the teeth of what was hard. And for you and me, sometimes our assignment is, you see that hard thing over there? You're going to have to walk through it. You're going to have to walk through it. Now the God who is faithful to take you to it, 
is faithful to carry you through it. But sometimes the assignment is that hard thing, you're going to have to walk right through it. And that's the assignment that you've been given. When I was making up the, when I was putting the points down in the sermon, I just had this idea you got to suit up, you got to get dressed for some hard stuff. You've got to put on some protective clothing. You've you got to get ready because it's tough out there. Suit up. It's hard. And then I remembered Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. Suit up that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up, suit up, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand that evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Stand. Therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as for shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer. And supplication. And to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare boldly as I ought to speak. Suit up. Suit up to do the hard thing that's assigned to you today. So what does this mean for us this morning? What is the, the now what of this message? I think partly is to just stop and think, who have you been influenced by this week? What voice is seeping into your life? Who, who is speaking there? And have you been intentional to be discipled and led by the voice of someone with spiritual depth who has been there and done that, who is saturated with the Spirit of God and who has been obedient even when everyone is pushing against that obedience? Do you have some people in your life like that that you can lean into? It's part of the reason why we have small groups here between our two services at 9.30 every week, all of the rooms around here are filled with people who gather together to not just come to church on Sunday, but to stick around and part of a Sunday school class. Now listen, those classes aren't perfect. They got some, every class, every person has got some stuff. They're not perfect. But they are people who are committed to the things of God. 
it's a good circle to be in. So if you need to help find a place to, to get in one of those circles, that, that's part of what Colby's here to do is to help people find a circle that fits for them. Colby's also working on uh, something that I'm excited about that's going to start in the spring. Some We're going to call them some discipleship groups, groups of three or four people that are serious about growing in their faith. And some other people that are like, I'm hungry to take the next step forward in my spiritual life. When, when, when those get introduced and we start talking about those in just a couple of months, Man, I want you to be the first person to sign up for those. I want you to say, I want to be part of those. I don't know exactly what it is, but I need to be with other people who are serious about growing in their spiritual life. I spend enough time with people who don't care about their spiritual life. I need to have a part of my week where I spend time with some other people that care about growing spiritually. Would you look for those things?